Hello, and welcome to another episode of the William Branham Historical Research Podcast. I'm your host, John Collins, the author and founder of William Branham Historical Research at william-branham.org. And with me, I have my co-host, researcher, and friend, James Goad. And together, we're discussing the very weird things that preachers say, why they say them, and how they relate back to the Lateran healing revivals of the late 1940s through the 1960s. James, today we have one of those episodes that I'm just going to say <laughs> it should be, instead of being something that you heard in a church, this should be part of an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie. <laughs> this is not your this is not your normal Christian theology. And yet in the churches that I grew up with, I'm not going to say it was common because it you know, ministers would mention this and then they would kind of dance around it because it was part of the core theology. So they had to say it, but they, you know, I think in, internally they just knew that this was just so absurd that they would say it, they would dance around it, and then change the subject so that the people in the congregation wouldn't ask questions later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, just like with so many things, too, that are so problematic in inside this larger cult, it's... it. <sighs> They'll also take and try to change the meaning of things to try to, yes. to try to make them not seem so bad. It's like, well, well, we'll try to use some of today's understanding and try to merge it. And we'll say, this is what was really being meant in this. And, and so they try to strip out all the bad connotation <laughs> and just trying to whitewash it a bit. Yeah. It's, it's, it's crazy. And so, you know, when you look at that and you, you see what, they do with situations like that. And you also see, uh, with this clip here, how ministers can try with, with their attempts to whitewash it, bring in something into their sermon that just seems so weird. And then things that are said, you know, Hitler wasn't too far off. It's like, <laughs> ah, that's kind of, oh, that's kind of, that's kind of oh, spicy man. there, buddy. <laughs> you know? but let's take a look at this clip. But now we've got to come to this. We talk about new creation. I'm going to try to jump through all that. New creation, a new race. You and I are the aliens that, are, that the earth has been looking for. Have you ever thought about that? We're supposed to be aliens, right? You know what the Bible says? We're supposed to be aliens. We're not supposed to be like the world. You see all these people, how this superhuman race comes to earth. Become Superman, Batman, Spider-Man. All these other people, women too, Wonder Woman, all that stuff. This is a superhero sitting here. And it's not a comic book. And it's not something you got to put on except Christ. A uniform won't save you, Captain America. Right? They all had a flaw though, remember? But man has took that idea and said, oh, there's a superhuman race. Hitler wasn't far off. So Hitler wasn't too far off, James. That is, <laughs> it's not com. It's not even comical. It's just absurd and it's offensive. I mean, oh yeah. When it comes right down to it, that is offensive. That is a very offensive thing to say. And oh yeah. Oddly, you grew up in one of these churches. We're not going to give too many details, but I've noticed that there are some sects within the cult following that. They thrive on saying something that they know is offensive to the world, and then they'll try to twist that and say, that's offensive to them, but not our little group here. We like the <laughs> offensive. <laughs> it's just, you know, it's so absurd. And the theme that we're getting into today is the super race. 
And I know I can already predict it. I, I'm not a prophet, but I will predict <laughs> <laughs> that in the comment feeds, we're going to get people saying, but there's a super race, my brother. And, you know, if it weren't for all of the connections that we've uncovered, maybe that's not problematic. It's not normal Christian theology. It's, it's absurd. It's ridiculous what they're saying and the way they say it. But if not for the connections, it wouldn't be so bad. But once we linked this cult and its branches and its splinter groups, the core of it, once that was actually linked to the actual Nazis, whenever you introduce themes of a super race and <laughs> the, the campaign manager of the leader of the revivals was the adopted cousin of Hitler's minister of defense— this turns into a whole different thing, man. I don't care how you try to dance around it. When you mention super race and it was connected to the Nazis, this is some really, really serious, <laughs> really bad things. Yeah. And, and when I found out that the message that was connected with Colonia Dignidad, that's, that alone should throw so many red flags when people yes. start saying stuff like super race. It is one of those things that such horrific things happened. And, and we know that there was, you know, material in that compound from Branham, you know, his sermons and things like that. You know, it's just, it's so problematic. And these people were directly connected. I mean, I mean, the guy who ran the compound was what his, his, his bodyguard when he was on his campaigns in Germany, if I'm, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Yeah, and so it's just, oh man, it's one of those things that I, I, I'm so surprised that ministers today are still parroting these talking points about super race. Because, like you said, in isolation, maybe you can get away with it. Maybe you can say, well, maybe we don't mean that stuff. But when you look at the larger context and the larger history and all the people who are connected and all the people who were, you know, condoned and called brother and things like that, and you had a man who is supposed to be a prophet and can, you know, see in the hearts and minds of people and, you know, all this stuff and all of a sudden all these people, you go fast forward a few years later and you're like, wait a minute. These are some really bad people talking about some really bad stuff. And so, yeah, it's so problematic. Yeah. And I don't even have to tell you, I guess for the audience I have to, but I don't even have to tell you. There was a minister who we won't give his name, but he was branded the most racist pastor in America. And he was part of this cult. He was in Branhamism. He was actually one of the quote unquote respected ministers in in the Branham message movement. <clears throat> and he got branded as the most racist pastor in America for quoting William Branham directly. And the problem is that the people who are in it and who are programmed, brainwashed, however you want to say it, there's this weird benefit of doubt that is given. They can say the most offensive thing and the people will hear it and they'll give him the minister, whoever it is, they'll give the minister the benefit of the doubt that he, no, he doesn't mean the terrible thing. He must be talking about something else. And then they dance around it. And that's exactly what happened. If you go back and look at the history of that, the man is reading a quote from Branham on quote unquote, high breeding the people. And again, we're talking about super race. This is, <laughs> it, it all fits. Yeah. It's all connected. They talk about high breeding the people and the man takes the theme that, yes, William Branham said this 
racist, offensive thing. But because he said friends, when he said we have colored friends, he loved the colored people, my brothers and sisters. And then he shifted the focus like a magician's sleight of hand technique to believing that because William Branham is saying this offensive thing, because he used the word friends, he's a lover of people with black skin. What's really odd is that I, I know people who actually go to that church, and except for the ones who escape, the vast majority didn't go back and read the sermon. And if you read the whole context of what's being said, he is talking about race riots, and, and he's talking about segregation. He even says, uh, this is William Branham, but on the lines of segregations and things, they're talking about high-breeding the people. So he is literally talking about his position against the civil rights movement. And that just happened to be left out of this whenever the man, <laughs> whenever the most yeah. racist pastor in America is talking about it. Yeah. I mean, whew, it's one of those things that, I mean, I remember hearing stuff like that all the time when I was, when I was in the message and, and, you know, you hear it, you grew up thinking about it and, you know, yeah, I remember, you know, you, you find ways to make it not seem so bad because, like you said, you find a quote where he said, you know, they're my brothers or my sisters, you know, when he's talking about somebody of a different race, you know, but then at the same time, it's like they're, they're, it's fine if they're separate from us, but once they start mixing with us, then it's a problem. They're my loving brother over there not my loving brother mixed in with us. And that's the thing. You start seeing that delineation. It, it's it's the thing in between the lines. It's the unspoken thing that's said. But if you're in the know, if you're in the group, if you're part of the clan, like some of these people were, you hear the things that aren't being said. And the people who aren't clued in to the, to the magic words are none the wiser. They hear what they want to hear. And the people who know what to be listening for, they, they get the true meaning of what's being said. You know, and even when you talk about, you know, the race rights and all the, 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 the social things that were going on at that time, you look at that larger context and you look at this hybriding stuff that was, you know, and it, it ties right into super race because, you know, just like Hitler wanted a pure race of Aryan people and you couldn't mix. You had to be pure Aryan. And you look at what's going on with in the States with the with the race riots and, and the things with Martin Luther King and the things that Brandon was talking about. It's like my loving brother. But, yeah, we don't want to integrate. We don't want to co-marry we don't want to do any of this stuff <laughs> we yeah. want to keep you separate and pure in your own way and we'll stay pure as it's who it's it's some really messed up racist stuff when you really start digging into it it is and you know people have done i've heard ministers do that for years especially talking about serpent seed which as the world knows is christian identity a very racist doctrine christian identity william branham rebranded wesley swift's Christian identity doctrine, called it serpent seed, took very strategically, he took the words black and Jew out of the doctrine and introduced it as though it was the same thing, but wasn't racist, which is impossible when you really, really step back and think about it. But he introduced the notion that there were two bloodlines. It's called the two seed doctrine. And the idea is that <clears throat> the world God created Adam and Eve, and they produced offspring, and then 
the doctrine says that the serpent, who was the devil, bred with Eve and produced a physical bloodline that was introduced into the world. Now, that implies that it, you're either one of the good guys or the bad guys, right? If you've got the, <laughs> the devil's blood in you, my brother, it's awful. Right. Well, I have heard ministers who know this is racist, who know this came from white supremacy. They know it. And they'll say, no, but it's he was talking about a spiritual seed, my brother. But that's not what he said. <laughs> it was a literal sect. <laughs> he used the word literal sect act. So it it's all part of the scheme. And we're going to take a we're going to take a step back even further than the white supremacy in the clan of the 60s because this actually began this notion of a super race this actually began long before that it was the late 1800s i believe but there there are some key indicators of where the message came from and the notion of a super race where it came from because william branham said that the he said, called it the second Bible. He said the second Bible was written on the pyramids. <clears throat> and he said the first Bible was written in <laughs> the Zodiac, both of which are used in satanic worship, which is the irony of this. But when people hear it, they think, okay, he's invented this. He's either invented this new heresy, or if you're in the cult, you believe, well, that's spiritual, my brother. He can see things that the world cannot see. But come to find out, this was all part of the super race doctrine. The pyramidology in, I want to say it was around 1930s, whenever it was formally organized in the United States, but the British Israel theology to try to sway people to that belief set, they began holding conferences and they began inviting pyramidologists who were saying that, and it's so absurd, man, when we talk about weird doctrines, the cha the tunnel that they opened that goes down into this tomb where a Pharaoh's final resting place, that they measured the length of the tunnel that goes down to what's called the king's chamber. And because that length had some bumps in it, <laughs> they started attributing those bumps to actual time, historical timeline. And they said, we measured it and it comes down to exactly leading up to right now. We're almost at the king's chamber. The world is about to end. <laughs> it's a gloom and doom. <laughs> and William Branham, he even mentions that if you go back, just type in a search in, in the transcripts for King's Chamber, you'll find that that's the reason he called it a Bible, that he is trying to portray the idea that British Israelism is correct, and the two Bibles relate directly to this British Israel theology. And at its core, the way it worked was, you believe that, you mentioned the Aryans, <clears throat> they believed that the white-skinned English people were part of the lost tribes of Israel. And then, because America was integrated into this later, they believed that America was the 13th tribe. There's some weirdness surrounding that and different flavors of how it worked out. But the Jews that you see are not the real Jews. Those are the bad guys. And what happened is, 
whenever white supremacy in the United States merged with British Israelism from Europe and combined, it became, it turned into the, you know, the Christian identity. The word identity was used and you identified with the good seed and they started branding people with black skin as having the bad seed and they wanted to purify the race. They wanted to create a super race by eliminating the bad race. Yeah, it, it's it's amazing. And, you know, I know we've done a whole episode on the on the pyramids, but, you know, it's it's one of those things where I get, you know, and you'll you'll see this around. You start looking up anything about pyramids or anything about that. You'll start seeing numerology and things like that. Come, You know, people try to read secret messages out of the pyramids and this stuff still happens today. Um, you know, and, and my thing is like, I don't mind people trying to read secret messages out of the pyramid as long as you're not trying to make a religion out of it. <laughs> you know, I mean, you want to go try to find some secret, me- you know, as long as you can scientifically prove it and, you know, find some scientific basis for it, then sure, by all means, knock yourself out. But yeah, it's when these things start becoming, <laughs> it, you know, a religion starts being built around it and it's like, oh, yeah. they, the ancients were trying to tell us something. It's like, eh, maybe not. <laughs> you know, it's, uh, Ah, it, it's so crazy, you know, but, you know, you look at how, you know, th- this stuff, like you said, they're trying to read messages out of the, out of the hallway leading up to the king's chamber and different things. And, you know, that is, that is, <laughs> that's unlocking memories in in my mind of, of sermons where, you know, because I was raised in a movement where the pyramids were such part of, you know, Branham's, you know, theology that people would also try to look into the pyramids and try to find meaning because they were so important. They, they seem to have such, if they were one of God's Bibles, then they must mean something to us oh, as yeah. these people that are part of this group. And so, <laughs> you know, I just remember so many sermons where, you know, they would try to look at the pyramids and stuff like that and try to pull, pull these meanings out of, you know, the way they're built and all these different things. And it's just like, you know, you look back on it and it just seems so silly, but then, you know, you look at how the larger context of all these things played into each other and the racism and, and, and all this Christian identity stuff. And you're just like, you're just like, man, these things seem so at one point they seem so spiritual and then they seem just kind of, when you, when you get away from it, it seems so silly. And then you see the larger context of the things that were involved in some of this stuff. And you're like, Oh, now it's scary. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we've mentioned the name Gerald Burton Winrod, who was a key figure. He, he was actually the figure that unlocked the door to all of this research because this was, he was an odd man. He was just a, humble minister in, I think, Wichita, Kansas, very poor minister in Wichita, Kansas, and took a trip to Germany before World War II and met with Hitler's secretary, I guess, uh, her, his public relations correspondent, whoever it was, the, the person, the official spokesperson for Hitler. Well, he comes back with a ton of money, a lot of money. And he starts this organization and he is the one that basically organized the fights against the public school system and which led up to the scopes trial. If you study that history out, um, he, and there was another man, he was a Senator William Jennings. Bryan, um, is the man who was the famous 
personality there at the Scopes trial, and he coined the phrase, the, you in the South are the, the defenders of the Christian faith. And Winrod, after he gets this Nazi money, he organizes this movement called the Defenders of the Christian Faith. And key figures that were in the message were in this Defenders group. So it gets really weird when you step back. But he starts spreading the, there was a book called The Protocols of the Learned Elders of Zion, which was Nazi propaganda. And it was talking about this race and the super race and why we need based I'm, I'm laughing, but it's sad and it's absurd. Why the need to eradicate, basically, if you really follow it out to its conclusion, why the need to eradicate the evil race and produce the Aryan race? So this guy in America is spreading this and he is one of the key publishers of the protocols in the United States. <clears throat> well, this caught on and in 1930 the it was called the Anglo-Saxon Federation formed in the United States. And William Branham's one of his first campaign managers, depending on <laughs> which version of the stage persona you believe, one of the earliest ones, Gordon Lindsay, was deeply involved with this and he was spreading he was actually a key speaker in some of these conventions i'll put a newspaper ad uh, up on the screen but william branham had a direct connection to this pyramidology through gordon Lindsay. and at its core if you look at many of the weird doctrines that we've already examined many of them are built upon the notion of british israelism including William Branham's own Malachi 4 claim. The notion that the book of Malachi applies to a, a person who's in America to the whole rest of the world is absurd because that book <laughs> is written to the Jews, man. <laughs> and the other, the other passages that are taken out of context to point to this movement, all of them are pointing to the Jews. Even, in fact, the book of Malachi, it says in I think the title line says an oracle of Malachi to Israel. Well, unless you believe British Israelism, none of it works. You cannot apply Malachi 4 to anybody in the United States without British Israelism. And not only that, not just British Israelism, it has to be the white supremacy version of British Israelism that was birthed in the United States. Yeah, and that's why it's so helpful in some of these movements to, in the minds of the people who are in the group, History starts with the central figure. History doesn't go beyond that point. So if the central figure said something, then this is the first time it's ever been said. This is the new, this is the new gospel. This, this is the word that, that the minister, that the central figure is bringing to, to us. And we're so special to have heard it, you know, and so things like this, like you said, it's complicated when you see that, you know, without Christian identity, this doesn't work. But in like a message context, you know, it's packaged in such a way where you don't need Christian identity because they've they've sort of found a way, even though it doesn't work, they found a way to sort of explain it away, how why it works for the people who are in the movement. So yeah, that's that and that's why that's why his like going through this history is so important, you know, and it's even one of those things that, you know, I I've, I've seen people who have uh, who have stepped away from even the message, who, who left it, even like before any, some of this research really started hitting big like it has. And people who have come back, 
come back by it and it said, whoa, wow, I, I just left, you know, but it still, it still bothered me. It still tormented me because, you know, it, you know, I didn't leave because I knew it was wrong. I left for whatever reason, you know, but they didn't have the, the research or the things to really fully debunk everything, you know, and that's, and that's another side of how it's, it's so destructive, you know, because there, there's so much done in these movements to take away your critical thinking, take away everything, unequip you from anything that could help you combat this stuff and actually approach it logically. And then, you know, there's so many people out there, like I said, who, who have, who have left for different reasons and, you know, are just now seeing some of this stuff and, and they're actually finding that they're like, wow, that this is actually like really helping me through some of this stuff because, you know, Maybe they didn't still believe it, but they're still the cycle. The, the stuff that it does to your mind psychologically is so hard to really understand sometimes because you don't have you can't like look at your brain and see what's going on in your brain. Sometimes you don't know that something's bothering you psychologically until you get over it. And that's that's something that's so uh, deceptive and so harmful about these kinds of movements. Right. And, you know, I think a lot of people. I, I call them church bench warmers because they'll show up to church and they they shut their mind off because these ministers are, most of them are just berating the people. And there's only so much of that you can take before you just tune the guy out. In a normal non-brainwash scenario, you would just leave and you'd never come back. But when you're raised in this thing and you're brainwashed, you hear a man who's yelling and screaming at you and you end up just leaving. Those who are brainwashed, ironically, and I've even seen this in the comic, comment feeds, James, they'll say, they don't yell and scream at us. He's our loving brother. But man, <laughs> I've sat through the sermons. Yes, they do. <laughs> yeah. They, they really do. But they tune it out, and I don't think that they really catch that these things are said. In fact, that's the other comment I'm expecting. They never talk about super race. They're talking about a super church. They're talking about the the bride, the elite, <laughs> the elite <laughs> Christians, which is, you know, the whole concept is absurd when you think about it. <clears throat> but they say this and they don't realize that from its inception, that's what this was. We I mentioned Gordon Lindsay's joining in this thing, right? And We've mentioned before William Branham's mentor and close partner in all of this was the second in command of the Ku Klux Klan. So you've got Gordon Lindsay, the British Israelism. You've got the Klan, the white supremacy. You've got all of these key figures that were operating behind the scenes producing this theology. And you can't say that William Branham was disconnected from it because he's teaching the same theology the only difference between William Branham and those men is that William Branham says, I got it from a revelation, my brother, an angel told me this, <laughs> but he's repeating these same things that these men are saying. <clears throat> and what makes it really challenging when you're brainwashed is that depending on the audience that he was speaking to, he might say something that is against his core theology. He, he will say that he's against all of these people who are trying to stop the African-Americans from equal rights. He'll say that. But in the very next sermon, in a different location, he'll speak to the Klan and the Klan favorite agenda. An example mm -hmm. of that, he is saying, um, one of the sermons, he says, here not long ago, I preached on the subject in my hometown of overthrowing the United States government. 
And he says, we give them another sermon. He says, we give them integration. Now it's worse than it ever was. These elements, if you study the message out and you study what is being said, the same agenda that the white supremacists had in the 60s, he's saying exactly. But that one statement, preaching in on the subject of overthrowing the government in the United States, it's also key to this because <clears throat> if you... If you go back and listen to our historical podcast, Charles and I talk about the Great Sedition Trial of 1944. There was a religious operation to overthrow the sitting president, Franklin D. Roosevelt, and all of these religious nut jobs were saying that communism had invaded the United States through FDR, and they, they tried very hard to oust him. White supremacists, religious leaders, nut jobs, everybody is trying to do this. And it led to the Great Sedition Trial of 1944. William Branham is identifying himself with that movement, which is all part of this British Israelism, Nazism, all of this that we're talking about was a not a conspiracy theory, but an actual conspiracy that was happening in the United States. Yeah. And this next clip is, is just a great example of, of how of how this stuff has just slipped right in to, to, to what would by other intents and purposes seem like a normal sermon, but the minister just slips the super race stuff right in there. And then if, if you don't know the history, it just, it just, you know, and you're normalized to it. It just seems so just, it just seems normal, but yeah, let's take a look at this clip too. And, uh, and, uh, dissect it a bit. So notice See, he is God's creation. Oh, my. The first and the last. The amen, the beginning of the creation of God. When God created himself a body, he come down and lived in it. That's the beginning of the creation of God. I say, God live in this body. God live in this body. God come and live in me tonight. Let my life be a continuation of that same life, that same spirit, that same anointing, that same word. Let it continue to flow forth in this hour, though it may be a dark hour, dark, an hour of, of apostasy. But yet, God, let that life come and live inside of me. And may it manifest not of the old Adamic race, but of the new creation of that new race, of that super church, of that super race. God, let the word be formed. <laughs> that, James, I, I'm a big fan of the old Westerns. I used to watch watch him growing up and there was always that Indian who knew that he was being taken advantage of and he would say the white man speaks with a forked tongue which means he's speaking out of both sides of his mouth and that's exactly what this guy's doing man <laughs> he's saying we're forming a super race which is a bloodline a super race and then he says it's part of my character and the words giving me this so in on the one breath he's saying that there is a literal bloodline a race a super race being created but the bible gave it to me <laughs> it's, mm -hmm. i mean when you take a step back and that's what he's saying is exactly what the white supremacists in the 60s were saying and the the recordings that we have access to here of william branham which started all of this we've got from 1947 to 1960 literally from the time that the third wave was being conceived the third wave of the clan to the 1960s, 1965, this was the climax of the civil rights explosion that all of this was happening. And you can align that timeline of what's being said theologically in those sermons 
with the timeline of what's being said in the clan and you can match it up. It's like a zipper being zipped. They, they both fit together perfectly. <laughs> and the people I have, everybody who's sitting in that church, I can assure you, probably unless they're a really old timer who remembers it, all of the younger crowd have no idea that what that mm -hmm. man is saying is a racist statement that is offensive to black people. And I don't know about this church, but there are even black people who are sitting in these sermons. They're younger. They have no idea that what is being said is discriminatory against them. It's it really when you take a step back, it blows your mind. Yeah. And that's what's so fascinating about how when you look at the history and you look at how when a lot of this third wave of the clan and all these things when, when all this stuff lost so much systematic power and so many things went underground and then you sort of kind of if you don't know kind of where these things went and sort of who was involved you can kind of lose track of some of this stuff but you'll also find i've even found this when i've looked at ministers who are not even part of the message how you can tell they're like, I, I was looking at this one that was trying to talk about the end of days. He's got this decent-sized YouTube channel, and he was trying to use numerology and all these things. And when you listen to it, you hear certain things that I, you know, I haven't been able to confirm this, but it sounded just like he was going back and mining people like Branham to sort of find these things to sort of he can have these sorts of truths and stuff. And when people do that, and they don't know their larger context of who these people were or the things that were being said... They will regurgitate certain things like this because they don't know the true meaning. They're just repeating what's been said and they're trying to piggyback on someone else's influence or these words that seem to captivate people at a certain point of time. And, you know, it's, it's kind of like, it's, <laughs> it's kind of like when you, as an aspiring artist, you know, they, they don't have a lot of original stuff. They'll do a lot of covers of, of people's music that was really popular to sort of kind of piggyback on that sort of notoriety. And then they'll sort of try to introduce their own music at the same time to sort of kind of, uh, jumpstart their career. And it's almost like some of these ministers are doing the exact same thing. Um, but then you jump over into a message context and the words of William Branham have such a massive weight that what's being said, he says super race. And so therefore, Super race isn't a bad thing because he's the prophet and he's bringing the word of this day and it's all good. There's nothing bad. He, he's, he's bringing forth the word of God that God wants us to hear for this day. And so you just have to make it all fit. And it's, ah, oh, it's just, it's such a mess. It is a mess. And it, the problem is, James, it sounds so similar to other weird things like Freemasonry that, because they're seeing similarities to what you see in the Masonic orders. But make no mistake, at its core, this was nothing but simple, pure British Israelism theology. They were deeply rooting their theology with this notion of the pyramid being this Bible. And there was this notion that the capstone is missing. So in the last days, the capstone would come down and it's Jesus Christ. And we can see that we're nearing the king's chamber. So the world is about to end with the next world war <clears throat> well because it was based off of measurements and now we're 50 years <laughs> into the future that even that measurement can't work out so it, it eradicates a vast majority of william branham's theology that many other theologies were built on top of so every splinter group who has 
taken one of those branches of theology and they've built an entire movement off of it, they're built on a false foundation because none of it can work out. <clears throat> and they'll argue, no, it's not tied to pyramidology. It's not tied to British Israelism. But <clears throat> there, was, there was one sermon that's called The Spoken Word is the Original Seed. And that's where they twist it. They say that because the the bloodline, it wasn't a bloodline doctrine he was talking about. It was a spiritualized bloodline. We're spiritual now, brothers and sisters. When he's talking about serpent seed, it was a spiritual seed. They'll say things like this. In that sermon, William Branham said, in the last days, the true church bride comes to the headstone, a super church, a super race. And in the cults, you'll hear that phrase, and you'll hear ministers repeat that phrase, and they'll ignore the word headstone. They'll just think about the church bride, and they'll think about the super church, and they'll ignore the part where he says a super race, and he says the headstone. <clears throat> but if you study that exact sermon, it is talking about the pyramids and the pyramidology of British Israelism. Earlier in the sermon, he says, why is it that on the pyramid called the Great Seal, even your money has to testify about it, brothers and sisters? Did you notice that there was never a capstone put on it? And he says, I've been there in, in Cairo, Egypt. And he's talking about the pyramid. So when he says the headstone, he's talking about the capstone, the pyramidian that sits on top of the pyramid, which it sat on every pyramid and they were many times they were made of gold. And so the grave robbers would steal them. <clears throat> so because that part was missing back then, they, there was this weird notion that it was purposefully misplaced and the pyramid itself was a Bible written to us. That was all part of this racist theology. So when he's talking about a super race, he is literally talking about a racist theology. You almost cannot look at any of this stuff without looking at its racist origins because there's so much racism in the message. And growing up, like, I w I didn't know this. Like, I, I thought the things that I were hearing was, was direct word of God. Like, this is the spoken word for the hour. And it's so crazy to go back and re-examine all these things that I was taught and actually hear the racist stuff that's being, that, that's, it's infused in everything that's being said in, in, in these sermons. And it's so crazy because, you know, and, and man, I, I remember there's, there's so much stuff in message churches about symbolism and all these things. And, and, um, you know, just like you said, like looking at the dollar, the, the, the pyramid and all these things, it, it's so, it's so crazy because it, these, these symbols crept in to these sermons and, and ministers would try to create whole series around some of these things. And they would try to, um, follow in the footsteps of, of the, of the prophet and they'd get their whiteboards out or they'd get their laser pointers out or their projector screens. <laughs> they'd go to town, would try to explain how all these symbols were, <laughs> <laughs> were leading you into a fullness of, of a, of a, uh, rapture, uh, uh, theology. And it, oh man, it's just, it's so crazy. And then you, you, you really dig down to those roots and it's like, this is just all a bunch of racism. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's really sad because some of the old timers, like my grandfather, my grandfather was around when all of this was happening. And 
in the circles that my grandfather was in, very obviously because he was in the same William Branham circles, they're talking about this racist theology. And back then, we don't have recordings of every minister who's talking about it. But because of what it was, these men expanded and expounded upon why the racism was important and why why we as racist ministers care about the true bloodline, the super race. So all of your old timers who were in this movement, who were connected to the circles, know exactly what this is. So whenever they're teaching it, and in today's world, they, they omit that part. Let's not talk about the fact that this was pure evil from an, from a domestic terrorist organization. Let's let's not mention that. Right. They'll talk about, you know, the mystery of it. It's a mystery why it's like this. <laughs> and they're eliminating why that mystery exists. So what happens is the people who weren't there, the younger crowd, they they hear it and they're fascinated with the fact that I don't understand any of this. This doesn't make sense. So they're going to preach a whole sermon on why it doesn't make sense and why we care that the pyramid was a Bible. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so just like everything else, these ministers have to, they're, they're constantly going in trying to mine these sermons of this dead racist preacher that purported himself to be a prophet and so they're 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 mining this these these racist sermons and then they're coming across these quotes about super race and trying to mash it into what they believe and try to find a way to make it not seem so racist but yes it's totally racist because the origins of it and we've 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 mined that but but yeah so this this clip is yet another example of of what they're doing um and what they're how they're using these these uh these quotes to back up their current day theology so uh, yeah let's roll the clip now this is what i'm trying to say to you the law of reproduction brings forth of its kind now if god planted word in this day through a prophet how many believes he did then, of course, then the law of reproduction says, then there's got to be a word bride that comes forth. So these last days, the true church bride comes a headstone. He said, will be a super church, a super race, as it nears the great headstone. They will be, they will be so much like him until they will be in his very image in order to be united with him. They will be one. They will be the very manifestations of the word of the living God. That means they will be more than theology, but they will actually be the word in action. You know, it's so ridiculous, James. Like the majority of our listeners were were never in this thing. So I don't even have to say that. The fact that this person believes that the capstone of the pyramid (laughs) is bound to a super race and the super race is that because the pyramid is a Bible. I don't even have to say that's ridiculous. But if there's a straggler out there from who is in the cult who's listening to this, man, the Bible is not a pyramid. <laughs> the pyramid is not a Bible. <laughs> that's just not how this works. And the people like this minister, he has no idea what he's saying. He literally is just regurgitating white supremacy doctrine for the sake of regurgitating white supremacy doctrine. Because, again, this thing, (laughs) this ridiculous notion that the tunnel in which the ancient Egyptians took a dead guy, a pharaoh, and put the dead rotting body 
down into this tomb, which was a pyramid. The <laughs> fact that you think that that tunnel is a Bible with no words, just the length of the tunnel is the Bible. That is yeah. ridiculous, man. That is ridiculous. I don't even have to say that to most of our crowd. I feel stupid saying that it is ridiculous. But even more to the point, <clears throat> the fact that you have entire movements that sprung up from this ridiculous thing from it it started about the 1800s, late 1800s and came into the nation about <clears throat> if I remember correctly it was the early 1900s it started entering into America. It wasn't until about 1930 that this thing exploded and you had all of these religious nut jobs saying, "Oh, wow." I never thought about the tunnel where the dead bodies laying in the pyramid being a Bible. <laughs> that must be right. <laughs> how, how do you get there, man? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it, it's so it's so crazy because I mean we even touched on this quite a bit in in our pyramid episode, but you know, um, and it's it's crazy how, how much these two subjects are linked when you know when you look at the you know the message and even you look at all the other movements throughout throughout history that we've even talked about in this in this episode alone you know but the the, the pyramids when you when you look at egypt and and all the stuff that's there all the monuments all the structures um and even you go back and read some of the earliest uh, uh stuff we have from people who were actually going to egypt surveying these structures digging them out and trying to understand i'm not talking about this is like back in like the 1800s and people are trying to figure out you know how they even accomplished this and it, it seems like such you know such a, a feat of engineering that these people just they, they can't even they can't even couldn't even comprehend you know so you can kind of understand how Egypt's mystique reached the level that it did. And I think deservedly so, because I mean, you, you go and just look at these structures that have lasted the test of time. I mean, they're great. They're, they're awesome. They're beautiful, but they're not a Bible. <laughs> you know, if anything, you go to these temples and they have inscriptions of their belief structure and, and the things that they believed in and thought about the afterlife and stuff. And you have all these sort of hieroglyphs and things and their their thoughts and stuff at the time is what's inscribed on those walls not the christian god not the christian bible you know um you know and and it's uh, it, it's so crazy because all it takes is is to spend some time looking into these things and, and and looking about what's actually there and and even to the point that people who came through and uh conquered egypt at different times like invading um warring people they would deface these structures because they were not their gods they 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 would they would they would uh, destroy the noses of the statues and different things like that and deface the temples and and the hieroglyphs and stuff because it was speaking about another god it wasn't speaking about their god whoever was invading at the time and so god or gods i should say because it depends on who we're talking about here um and so you know it, it's it's crazy that you know <laughs> that the pyramids can be thought of as a christian bible it, it it it's it is so crazy that it just boggles your mind yeah, man. I mean, not to beat a dead horse, but let's say 2,000 years from now, <laughs> the world has forgotten how to make a shovel. <laughs> and some guy comes along and sees my grandfather in his grave and and figures out that, wow, somehow they dug down and they put, they put a body there. And the depth, which is approximately six feet, that measures from Jesus' time to now. This dead guy must be a Bible. I mean— <laughs> 
in its <laughs> essence, that <laughs> is literally what these these ridiculous people were saying. Even more absurd is the fact that people believed it. How in the world? I mean, in today's world, this would not fly. People are. I don't. I don't know if it's the education or just this the critical thoughts higher now than it was then. It, it's hard to believe that there were people back then that could fall prey to this ridiculous thing, but there were. And that in itself, for me, out of everything in this episode that we've talked about, that is probably the most important point, that people back then were so out of tune with how to think that they had shut off all critical thought when these these guys would bastardize their minds, that they would actually believe that the tunnel in which a dead guy was buried was a Bible. That's how bad it was. The fact that they could believe that goes to show how they could believe the whole rest of all of this cult theology, how they could believe that a man from Indiana who said he could speak a squirrel into existence <laughs> was, was literally the prophet for an age, and, and even that there was a church age, because that's not biblical. The fact that they could believe the... <laughs> <laughs> this tunnel was a Bible <clears throat> shows that they can believe anything. Their minds literally could be hijacked back then. And, you know, just to sum up this episode, James, I'm just glad that in today's world, this isn't the way things are. Yeah. I mean, you, you look at the access to information we have now and it's, it's, it's so much different than it was back then. You know, I, I, I was even thinking about this in preparation for this episode and just, and, you know, cause I, I grew up, you know, I'm a nineties kid. I, I grew up in my early parts of my life were kind of before I had ready access to internet, you know, definitely before there was internet on any, any sort of mobile device. And, um, you know, today we have the ability to, if we have a question, just to pull our phones out of our pockets and, and quickly Google something and say, okay, what is even get conflicting points of view on something at just at an instant click of a button, you know, and, some, a lot of these people didn't have that. I mean, I mean, you didn't have, you didn't have these connected super highways of information. I mean, even like the, the closest thing you had was maybe a local library or something like that where you could go look up some books. And even then it's like, well, where do I even start? But nowadays it's a lot easier to find information and to really sort of, um, put two and two together. Um, you know, and, and so it, it's just one of those things that, you know, it, it's great in a way because we're, like I said, we have access to much information, but at the same time, you examine what people are doing is they're, they're, they're trying to find ways just to get smarter. They're trying to get, they're trying to get faster than the technology is, is, is what they're doing with some of these things. And, uh, and some people like the message, they, they just tell you to not even interface with these things. Don't interface with the internet. Don't go on there. You know, if you, they, they, they tell you, you really shouldn't have a Facebook, but if you just have to have a Facebook to share photos with a distant relative, maybe that's okay. But really it's not good for you and you really shouldn't be on there to begin with, you know, because the, just the point is, is to keep you away from real information. They don't want you interfacing with stuff outside of the viewpoint of the group, you know, and that's, that's the control mechanism that keeps your mind uh, you know, a, a plentiful field for them to harvest their, their, their garbage in, you know, and really that's what it is. It's garbage. It's garbage back when Branham said it and it's garbage today when people, you know, reproduce it, even if they fully believe it, it's still garbage. <laughs> you know? It's really sad too, because I feel like we have to put a disclaimer out in this episode. I, 
I feel like there's some danger in what we've said, believe it or not, because the way that these cults work is whenever they have a doctrine that they've believed hook, line, and sinker for all of these years, and then they come in contact with critical information that there's no way that it's true, it's deemed false, they'll go try to find something else to replace it that is similar and then say that one is true. So we have to put the disclaimer out before we end this, James, that now that you know that the burial tunnel is not a Bible, now that you know that the timeline cannot work out, do not go dig up additional graves in the graveyard in your city and dig it up and say, well, this is our new Bible. (laughs) (laughs) That would be a problem. (laughs) That would be a problem. So if you have weird doctrines that you'd like for us to discuss on the show, you can contact us on the web. You can find us at william-branham.org. For an overview of the historical research of William Branham and the Healing Revivalists, read Preacher Behind the White Hoods, a critical examination of William Branham and his message. Available on Amazon, Kindle, and Audible. 